Chapter Thirty, Part Two of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Thirty, Part Two. He took her by the arm and drew her, not to the Western Garden, but to a street. He seemed to know it by instinct, through which Shakespeare's England iniquitously treacherously led them to their doom the water shoot for there the exhibition threw off her mask and revealed herself as the dangerous enchantress that she was hung with millions of electric bulbs crowned and diademed and laced with jewels of white flame she signalled to them out of the mystery and immensity of the night for a moment they were dumb they stood still as if they paused on the brink and struggled protesting against this ravishing of their souls by the exhibition straight in front of them monstrous yet fragile its substance withdrawn into the darkness its form outlined delicately in beads of light in brilliance and crystals strung on invisible threads the water shoot reared itself like a stairway to the sky arch above arch peak above peak diadem above diadem tilted at a frightful pitch chains of light slung like garlands from tall standards ring the long lake that stretched from their feet to the bottom of the stair the water dark as the sky showed mystic and enchanted bordered with trembling reeds of light from somewhere up in the sky under the topmost diamonded arch there came a rumbling and a rushing it thrilled them agitated them and their youth rose up in them they looked at each other and their eyes the eyes of their youth shone with the same excitement and the same desire she knew that he had deceived her that this was not the western garden where the band played she was aware that the exhibition was not to be trusted either that it was in league with him against her that if she yielded to it they were lost and yet she yielded the deep and high enchantment was upon her the exhibition had her by the hair she was borne on breathless unprotesting to the white palings where the paygate was it was worth it she had to own it never before had either of them tasted such ecstasy from the precipitous climb in the truck that hauled them up and up to the head of the high diamonded stair the brief exciting passage along the gangway to the boat that waited for them its prow positively overhanging the topmost edge the sliding lip of danger where the rails plunged shining to the blackness below the race they had for the front seat where ranny said they would get the best of it and then the down rush it was as if they had been shot exulting from the sky to the water sitting close sitting tight linked together each with an arm round the other's waist and the hand that was free grasping the rail their bodies bowed to the hurricane of their speed with the rapture in their throats mounting and mounting a towering toppling climax of delight and fear as the boat shot from the rails into the water and rose like a winged thing and leaped urging to the heights that had sent it forth and dropped perilously again with a shudder and a smack once twice so tremendous was the impetus they heard young girls behind them scream for joy but they were dumb they were motionless they drank rapture through set teeth it went throbbing through them and thrilling prolonging its brief life in exquisite reverberations and as if that wasn't enough they went and did it all over again and when he struggled 
she tried to hold him back she put forth all her innocent guile she pitted her fragile charm against the stupendous magic of the exhibition she loitered spellbound to all appearance in the bazaar before the streaming shining booths that poured out their strange merchandise italian french indian chinese and japanese i don't want to do anything but walk about and look at things she said why we might have travelled for years and not seen as much winnie seemed to be scoring points in the bazaar then before she knew where she was ranny with all the power of the exhibition at his back had bought her a present a little heart-shaped brooch made of florentine turquoises that came of looking at things she might have known it would i'm tired of these shops said winnie we shall be too late to hear anything of the band thus she drew him to the western garden so that for the moment she seemed to have it all in her own hands for here there were more lights and even more extravagant and fantastic display of electric jewellery more garlands of diamond and crystal illuminating decorating everything and there were rubies hanging in strange trees and at their feet the glamour of light dissolved half of it perished gone from the world drunk up by the earth half living on where grey walks wound like paths in a dream between rings of spectral green islands of dimmed mysterious red so transformed so unclothed and clothed again by glamour as to be hardly discernible as beds of geraniums and grass here they wandered for what seemed an eternity of bliss what more do you want said winnie isn't this beautiful enough for anybody neither of them had any idea that the beauty and the glamour of it was in their own souls as they drank each other's mystery let's just sit and listen to the band she said and they sat and listened to it for another eternity till ranny became restless for thirteen and eleven pence halfpenny was burning in his pocket the thought of it made him take her to a restaurant where they sat for quite a long time and drank coffee and ate ices winnie submitted to the ices they were delicious and she enjoyed them without a shadow of misgiving she was in fact triumphant for she looked on ices as the clothes and crown of everything and she calculated that out of that sovereign there would be exactly eleven and two pence halfpenny left well it's been lovely and now we must go home she said go home not much why we've only just begun he looked at her do you suppose i don't know what you're up to you're jolly clever but you can't take me in winky not for a single minute well then ranny let me pay for something and she took out her little purse after that it was sheer headlong shameful defeat for winky he had found her out he had seen through her manoeuvres and he and the exhibition the destructive and terrible enchantress had been laughing at her all the time a delirious devil had entered into ranny with the coffee and the ices urging him to spend and winnie ceased to struggle he knew at what point she would yield he knew what temptations would be irresistible he got round her with the alpine ride the joy wheel fairly undermined her moral being and on the crazy bridge ranny's delirious devil seized her and carried her away reckless into the dragon's gorge emerging as it were from the very jaws of the dragon they careered arm in arm through the rest of the exhibition two rushing portents of youth and extravagance and laughter till as if the enchantress had twisted her wand and whisked them there they found themselves inside the palisades in the igorote village 
a swarm of half-naked savages leaped at them it was ranny who recovered first it's all right winky they're the philippine islanders well i never nor i talk of travellin but it was all very well to talk the sight had sobered them gravely and silently they went through that village at last ranny paused outside a hut no bigger than a dog kennel it bore the label vida and his fiancee codpat undergoing trial marriage ranny laughed by jove that tickles me he said what does it mean ranny why i suppose it means they try it first and if they don't like it they can chuck it what an idea it's a rippin good idea winky shows what a thunderin lot of sense these simple savages have got you bet they're not quite so simple as they seem they know a thing or two why they must be hundreds of years ahead of us in civilization to have thought it all out like that think of it that fellow beda's had a better chance than me they turned away from beda and codepat and presently winnie stood entranced before the little house that contained baby francis born in the exhibition and his mother she looked so long at baby francis that ranny couldn't bear it oh look at him ranny isn't he a little lamb winnie's eyes were tender and her face quivered with a little dreamy smile do you want to take him home and play with him shall i ask if he's for sale oh ranny she turned away and he drew her arm in his you won't be happy till you've got him winky she said nothing to that only her mouth without her knowing it kept for him its little dreamy smile i believe said ranny you've never really got over stanny's going into knickers i'd love his knickers she protested yes but you'd love him better if he was that size wouldn't you i couldn't love him better than i do ranny you know i couldn't and i wouldn't like him to be any different to what he is she was very serious very earnest almost as if she thought he'd really meant it silent in the grip of an emotion too thick and close for utterance they wandered back again to the enchanted garden where the band had played for them the garden was silent too the bandstand was empty black unearthly as if haunted by some thin ghost of passionate sound and empty row after row of seats in the great parterre except for a few couples who sat leaning to each other hand in hand finding a happy solitude in that twilight desolation like worshippers strayed into some church they joined this enraptured oblivious company of devotees choosing seats as far as possible from any other pair hadn't we better be going they had sat there in silence holding each other's hands the excitement the delirious devil in them had spent itself and under it they felt the heaving dragging groundswell of their passion to winnie it had never come before like this up till now it had been enough simply to be with ranny merely to look at him gave her profound and poignant pleasure to touch him in those rare accidental contacts the adventure brought them to feel the firm muscles of his arm under his coat sleeve stopped her breath with a kind of awe and wonder as if in ranny's body thus discerned she came unaware upon some transcendent mystery yet winnie knew now why in what way and with what terrible strength she loved him and he her she loved him primarily and supremely for himself for the simple fact that he was ranny she loved him also for his body for his slenderness and for his strong clipping limbs and she loved him for his face because it could not by any possibility be anybody else's and in her joy and tenderness in their engagement and in the whole adventure 
this going out with him and all the rare shy contacts it occasioned instalments of delight windfalls of bliss that heaven sent her to be going on with in the very secrecy and mystery of it all winnie felt that disturbing yet delicious sense of something iniquitous something perilous something at any rate unlawful it was the same sense that she had known and enjoyed in the days when she went into the scullery at granville to make beefsteak pies for ranny the same sense but far more exquisite far more exciting she did not connect it in any way with violet violet had ceased to exist for them violet had of her own act annihilated herself but winnie knew that until ranny was divorced from his wife the law continued to regard him as married to her so that while firm land held and would always hold her she was aware that he and she were walking on the brink and that by the rule of the road ranny went so to speak upon the outer edge where it was far more dangerous she knew that he had more than once looked over and she knew though nothing would induce her to look that the gulf was there not far from her adventurous feet still it was wonderful how all these years they had kept their heads so she said hadn't we better be going i think we ought to she had unlaced her hand from his and had turned in her seat to face him with her decision not yet well soon it's getting rather chilly don't you think at that he jumped up are you cold winky my feet are sitting i forgot your little feet he raised her it isn't late he said we can walk about a bit they walked about for he was very restless again wherever does that music come from winnie said sounds came to them of violins and cellos of trombones and clarinets playing a gay measure a dance insistent luring irresistible they followed it in a vast room fronted by a lattice screen all green and white roofed by a green and white awning and having a pattern of lattice-work green and white upon its inner walls on a vast polished floor was a crowd of couples dancing to the music they had heard it came loud through the open lattices the insistent luring irresistible measure violent now in solicitation in appeal and over it and under went the trailing shuffling slur of the feet of the dancers and the delicate swish of women's gowns as they whirled standing close outside they could see into the hall through the lattices of the screen they saw forty or fifty couples whirling slowly round and round to the irresistible measure some were stiff and awkward palpably shy some with invincible propriety whirled upright and rigid like toys wound up to the whirl some were abandoned to the measure with madness with passion with a corybantic joy here and there a girl leaned as if swooning in her lover's arms her head hung back her lower lip drooped her face showed the looseness and blankness of a sensuous stupor other faces staring upraised wore a look of exaltation and of ecstasy all were superbly unaware winnie's face pressed closer and closer to the lattice one of her little feet went tap-tapping on the gravel beating the measure of the waltz for at the sound of the music at the sight of the locked and whirling couples her memory revived she heard again the beating of the measure old its time she felt in her limbs the start and strain of the wild energy an instinct savage and shy moved in the rhythm of her blood and desire for the joy of the swift running of the lacing arms and flying feet 
in her body she was standing outside the dancing saloon at the earl's court exhibition with her face pressed to the lattice she was twenty-seven last birthday in her body but in her soul she was seventeen and she stood on the floor of the polytechnic gymnasium beating time to the thud of the barbell she was winnie of the short tunic and the knickers and the long black stockings and had her hair tied by a great bow of ribbon in a door-knocker plait oh ranny she looked at him with her shining eyes half tender and half wild if we only could something gave way in him and dissolved and he was weak as water when he looked at her the violins gave forth a penetrating excruciating cry and he felt in him the tumult evoked long ago one sunday evening by the music in the mission church of st matthias's only he knew now what it meant his voice went thick in his throat i mustn't winky i daren't some day you and i it was the supreme temptation of the great enchantress and they fled from it the violins shrieked out and cried their yearning as they went a scud of rain lashed the carriage windows as their train shot out of the underground at walham green when they stepped out onto the platform at southfields the big drops leaped up at them well i never said winnie who'd have thought it would have done that they scuttled into shelter it'll be a score for mother she said it would come and i said it wouldn't it'll ruin your new suit and there won't be much left of your dress my dress'll iron out again it's me poor hat the peggy hat was not made for rain i'll take it off and pin it up in me skirt it's you i'm thinking of she felt his coat to see what resistance it would offer to the rain it offered none it made no pretence about it it'll be soaked and it'll never be the same again she wailed but ranny remained godlike in his calm there was still one and sixpence of his sovereign left you can keep your hat on we're going to take a cab if he had said he was going to take an aeroplane she couldn't have been more amazed it was only seven minutes walk to acacia avenue and it was not a common cab it was parker's fly that he was taking she surrendered because of the new suit i can count the times i've ridden in a cab she said this is the third first time it was going to father's funeral second time it was poor mother's funeral i've never been happy in a cab till now poor little girl next time it'll be coming from our wedding will you be happy then i'm so happy now ranny that i can't believe it it'll only be six months or seven at the outside are you sure certain the worst of the cab was that it cut short their moments it had been standing a whole minute before johnson's side door he sent it away for fifteen seconds measured by hammer strokes of their hearts they were alone on the streaming doorstep under the dripping eaves he held her he kissed her sweet face all wet with rain little winky little darling winky he pushed back her peggy hat and his voice lost itself in her hair they're coming she whispered there was a sound of footsteps and of a bolt drawn back somebody behind the door opened it just wide enough to let winnie through then shut it on him it was intolerable unthinkable that she should disappear like that through a foot of space in a hair's breadth of time she had slipped from him end of chapter thirty recording by expatriate in bangor maine